Hi, everybody. Uh, a couple announcements before we begin. I uh, will be at SpringCon, Minnesota Comic Book Association. SpringCon, that is May 18th. It will be in Woodbury, Minnesota. Check out their webpage for more details. And uh, I think there's a discount for tickets early. Also, coming in April, I will be at St. Cloud, Minnesota for the Quad City Con Traveling comic book convention that's going to be at the Crosswoods Mall. Also, if you're interested to see what I look like and you want to see me on YouTube, you can see me twice a week on YouTube with Kyle Nick on Film, where I critique movies with film critic Kyle Gothi. Uh, check out that webpage. Please like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. It's a little thing you can do. It's a big thing for us. And now, on with the show. All right, uh, we have Kyle and Nora here, so it's dedication time. Guys, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Uh, we would like to dedicate this episode to uh, the Minnesota Comic Exchange. What is the Minnesota Comic Book Exchange? Uh, the Minnesota Comic Exchange started off as a Facebook group that now has expanded into being that has now expanded into being one of the bigger communities in Minnesota for comic books. All right, all right. Where can we find them? You can find Minnesota Comic Exchange on Facebook and now on Instagram. Oh, yeah, we just opened up a website, too. You got a website? We all right. just got a website. All right, we'll put the link down below. All right, all right, Minnesota Comic Book Exchange. I'm also a member, too. So, yeah, let's get it started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo, and thanks for listening, and thanks for finding us. Please give us a review and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, action. All right, welcome back to the show. I apologize. I'm a little bit rusty with the voice. I've been going through um, this bacterial infection, then a cold and everything, so my voice is kind of shot. And today we have... Nora. <laughs> and Kyle from Noggin Comics. What? What? How'd you come up with Noggin Comics? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll take this one. Um, Noggin Comics doesn't really start off with comic books. All right. It starts off with Finding Nemo. What the hell? All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just do my some expand. So Nora and I, we, right. we both came out of uh, pretty, well, fine. Nora never was in a relationship before me. And All I right. came out of a bad one. And we had issues saying, I love you. So we just Noggin. Then, dude. Okay. Finn. Finn from Finding Nemo. All right. I get it. All right. All right. And and then, it just stuck from there, and uh, we decided to start Noggin Comics as like an Instagram page, and then we yeah. expanded into more, and YouTube. So I think with the YouTube, I'll, we'll put the link down below for the YouTube, because you guys review books, as well as interviews and all that stuff. But you are thinking about expanding the concept of Noggin Comics, like publications, or maybe possibly going to sponsoring stores and all that stuff. Yeah, so just recently, uh, we reactivated our website as a blog, too. Uh, we're not just talking about comic books, we're also talking about movies now, too. All right. Uh, right now, we're doing the pre-MCU films. Really? Yep. All right, so like Blade? Uh, farther back than Blade. Let's talk about like Captain America of 1979. Okay, all right. Or in like Punisher of the 90s? Dolph Lundgren's Punisher, yeah. Oh, okay, I get it. So we're doing pre, um, if I remember right, Blade, we have to go, Blade is kind of the 
end and the beginning. Blade is kind of the start of the MCU, Marvel Studios making movies. And prior to that, Marvel was giving their rights away to make their movies made. Kind of. Uh, I am actually currently reading Reign of the MCU. It's a book about Marvel Studios. Okay. And they go through that to talk about how they had to sell the rights to all these characters. Sure. Marvel Studio wasn't really around for Blade. It didn't really start coming into effect until Iron Man. Okay. Uh, but they sold the rights for Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider. All that was sold to like Fox and Sony and Universal. Okay. All right. And why were the interest going back? Just just because? or I got tired of seeing the bad reviews that people are talking about for Marvel films. Right. How, and it's like if... You, you we uh, if you're an MCU fan, you didn't grow up watching these films. You, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just need to watch more movies. <laughs> we all need to watch more movies. I think anybody, even a fisherman, would say, "I need to do more fishing." If you love movies, it's always I need to watch more movies. And in fact, if we're going to be done, I'm going to be watching more movies. Um, especially since I'm a member of the Minnesota Film Critics Alliance, and I haven't seen all the short films that have been nominated for Oscars. I have an, I have the opportunity tonight to review those. Um, and I haven't even seen all the movies that have featured kind of everything that's been nominated. Um, so um, what do you think about any of the movies that have been nominated? Have you seen those? We've uh, seen a pretty good amount. Um, yeah. We are really happy that Spider-Verse... You know, uh, did it get nominated? It got nominated best okay. animated feature, and that and Oppenheimer and Barbie, and Poor Things, which I loved. Oh, right. Um, I went to the screening for that, and I've heard you have you have to be ready to go to your girl's Lanthimos movie. You have to understand what you're getting into. He does not write safe stories that are comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little queasy for you, and I liked how he. Especially with like Dogtooth, the invention of dialogue. Mm. In this movie, it's invention of dialogue. When she says, "We do furries jumping for twenty hours." <laughs> we yeah, we seriously yeah. got out of poor things, and the very first thing that we said to each other is, "I want to punch a baby." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I love past lives too. I think a little more uh, than Kyle. I've been championing that movie since I saw it in, in the summer, and I the reason is because a lot of movies that get released in the summer don't. Kind of kind of lost in the wind for the fall, but that movie mm-hmm. sustained um, on my list ever since I saw it in the summer, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful. I think it's one of the best written movies of the year mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, nom- uh, snubs too. How there's some movies that got snubbed that we wanted to get Oscar nomination. Iron Claw, I thought was a phenomenal film. Yeah, that's the movie studio's fault. They released mm-hmm. it too late to be. Um, considered so I don't know what was their problem from releasing that movie late Iron Clash it was one of the and I, I when I reviewed it on our show best edited movie of the year the editing was fantastic so a little thing about Nora and I is that Nora never watched professional wrestling before she met me 80s professional wrestling wrestling in general, in general. oh in general uh, I think it really peaked in the 80s man so in the I, 80s, pro wrestling was out of its mind. I, I grew up doing the Attitude Era, Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, all oh, that. Oh, that era. I'm, I'm like Jimmy Superfly and the Midnight Rockers. And <laughs> uh, I watch a lot of wrestling documentaries. 
Okay. So AWA uh, and the Von Erics, I made sure that when we went into that movie that Nora had no clue what was going on to Von Erics. I wanted her to feel every pain possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I did. It was so good. All right, you don't have to be a pro wrestler f- fan to appreciate this movie mm-hmm. and um, yeah. understand the dynamics that family went through. It's presented very well. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's not a soft little movie. It's harsh, but it also has wonderful cinematography for it. It's crafted really well, and I think it's just going to sustain. It's just the, I don't know why they waited so late to release it. I don't know what they were thinking. Well, you know, as as comic focused people too, we had the opportunity to see that or Aquaman too, and we had to pick between that or Aquaman, and we seriously sat there for probably about less than five minutes. Yeah. And like, okay, let's see Iron Claw, skip Aquaman, go see poor things. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and we're you guys haven't seen Dune two yet um but if you read the book you understand where it's going to happen um and i think there there's a treatment submitted for a sequel dune messiah that um i don't know if movie producers have picked it up yet they're probably waiting and see how this will be received before they go any further in the ventures um i'm sure you guys are looking forward to dune two because you haven't as we record you haven't seen it yet yeah um we're really excited for that i think we're going to try to go opening weekend so next weekend? Is it next weekend? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was okay. All right, I went to the press screening, so I get I, opening days. I get confused. I think it's the first weekend of March. Uh, yeah, uh, March first. I think is the release date of that. Okay, so I, I, my my embargo gets lifted. I think Monday. So you yeah you have a couple of days. <laughs> All right, got to get that Dune popcorn bucket. Uh, did you? Get- <laughs> I don't know if they have it, right? I don't know if they have. It. I'm just kidding. I I think that is at AMC theaters that have that. <laughs> so uh, that's not the movie theaters we go to. <laughs> no. We went to the press screening and it was at noon before the theater actually opened. So we had they actually had to like bring us in through locked door and the concessions weren't open. And I turned there and go, I'm getting a coffee, <laughs> and like well the concessions are open, I'm gonna hop over the counter right now. And get one. You're like, I know how to make coffee. And she's like, okay, I'll make you one. All right. And I was like, see, I, all right. I've been dealing with pain for a long I know I'm going to get one. I go, I'll even overpray. I'll pay you. I'll give you a $2 tip. <laughs> and I go, oh, then I definitely will make coffee for you. And I'm like, see, I know how to get things done. Uh, yeah. The last press that we went to was actually Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Oh, the animated one. Yeah. I've yet to see that. It is really good. It's fun. Yeah. We're talking about snubs and you know, say Iron Claw, but if you enjoyed Spider-Verse and you grew up with the Turtles, yeah. this is definitely the movie for you. Why did it get neglected? Is, is, was it just because it looks like a moving sketchbook or what the hell? Yeah, so. Because um, <laughs> it does look it, like a moving sketchbook. It does look like yeah. a moving sketchbook. Uh, yeah. Nora, you were not much of a Turtles fan before this. No, um, right. I only watched a few. Let's see, like the first Turtles movie. So you're a little fresh on it. Yeah, yeah. and I liked it a lot, the new one. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I haven't told you my opening on this. I've been telling my students, this, if I was a stand-up comedian, this would be my opening joke. I would get up on the mic and like, hey, everybody. So you know what the best thing about turtle soup is? What? It already comes with a bowl. <laughs> I hope. Thanks, God. Thank you for laughing. All right, I'll be here every night. Good night, everybody. (laughs) And that's the end of the show (laughs) today. And on a high note. (laughs) So every time I talk about teenage mutant dinner, I think of turtle soup, right? (laughs) I so I also think that 
you know, TMNT had that animated film that came out yeah. a few years ago. Well, almost a decade, I think, now. Yeah. Um, and that was really my introduction because, you know, we're fairly young. You're a lot younger than me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, Nora just turned 30 in July. I was a teenager <laughs> when those the live action came out. And then I was a, in elementary school when the cart comic book came out, which was kind of a it's hard to find. And was still, I remember they were coming out in black and white. I remember that. And it's just, and then it blew some, then the cartoon kicked it off. And as soon as the cartoon, that was it. That was over done for. Uh, there's actually yeah. a documentary on how. Was it college team, dorm? You just made it in a college dorm, right? Yeah. So, uh, Peter Laird and Kevin, uh, Kevin Eastman, they actually lived together while making TMNT. Right. And they created Mirage Studios because they thought, you know, we, we shouldn't be doing this. This is all fake. It's Mirage. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't it's, work. It, 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 they're turtles and they live in a sewer and they like pizza. And it's just like they threw everything in. So on their like artist names and they all have different martial arts things. It's just bizarre. It should not work. But, you know, that's another thing of just certain elements. Sometimes you get lightning in a bottle and you might as well run with it. Uh, I mean, who would have thought that, what, 40 years? I think 1984? I think yeah. it was when it was made. It was just ridiculous. That a parody of Daredevil would be more popular than Daredevil right now. What are you, what are you referring to? So they created TMNT as a parody of Daredevil. Oh, interesting. So you have the Foot Clan, right? Yeah. Well, Daredevil goes against the hand. Okay. And then that's basically where they're like, well, let's take... I didn't notice that until you mentioned okay. So there's this documentary on, I think it's on Paramount+. Plus. I do have, like, beside you, I hate to do visuals as we're doing audio, but I do have a comic book of on the cover of Daredevil in the sewer. Right next to some behind you. Oh. So well, I'll pull. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is, like, yeah. uh, we just had the sh- our Minnesota Comic Exchange comic show yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And I bought Daredevil and I bought TMNT stuff. So <laughs> Right. Daredevil was my, when I was a kid in the, in the early 80s, and I had to run to the you know, the drugstore to get in the rack. Mm-hmm. And if I was a little late, the Batmans were gone. And if the Batmans were gone, well, Daredevil was my consolation. Like, all right, I'll pick him up. Because it's very similar, very dark and brooding and mm-hmm. city kind of a thing. Not to mention, he always gets his ass beat. Yep. Daredevil, he always gets his ass beat, but he comes back for more. Mm-hmm. So I, I just love that grittiness of it. So I have a slight confession to make. Mm-hmm. I like the Ben Affleck Daredevil film. Yeah, that's an unpopular opinion. Thanks for sharing. Right. Uh, what do you like about it? The director's cut, the one that came out afterwards. I just think, I mean, that was an area, that was a time period where I was super young. I was maybe 10. Yeah. Well, did that come out early 2000s? I think it was 2003 it came yeah, out. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just trapped in this time. It, it is a time capsule of a film. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about the pre-MCU films. Uh, watching, I watched Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Oh, the one with David, David Hasselhoff? Yes. Oh, man, you are committed. If you I want. am committed. <laughs> um, Does he have his her- hair permed in that? He looks like he came out of a Jim Sterlingo comic in it. And Nora's at, so Nora's usually working while I'm watching these films. Mm-hmm. And she comes home, and I'm like, I think I just watched the worst movie ever, but I have to write about this. <laughs> It doesn't. So he had me review it, and I'm like, yeah, I really don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the There's very few movies that I've seen that I've kind of not willing to accept what's presented to me. 
I mean, I understand like in the early 2000s, you know, like you have the French, kind of the, the French horror wave, new wave, which is how gross can we get? How High disgust- tension. Yeah, how far can we really get nauseating? Mm-hmm. Gross. It's not a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to participate in that. There's sometimes some movies are this I don't want to do with. Yeah. Well, with snogging comics, the one thing we want to do is yeah. be positive about everything. Try to find the positivity, even if something's bad focus on something good about it sure. sure and going through these films hey i there's people out there who think who just love xanadu which is one of them considered one of the worst movies but the, it gives them they love it and we, it's something that they strike with it and i'm not going to fault you for it you're just not going to get it from me but if you enjoy watching xanadu and it gives you a thrill but yeah. i understand there's something of it works for you oh well, they've been yeah. newton john right yeah yeah, yeah. like madam xanadu no xanadu it's a big long music video yeah. <laughs> an outer space almost right i would say don't watch it <laughs> <laughs> but you like disco <laughs> there you go <laughs> right. uh no but going back to nick fury it was like they pull a marvel film into a power ranger set so. right well you learn more about bad films what went wrong then you learn about good films and it's like lmr said Read bad books as well because it can be far more inspiring. I put that on my Instagram mm-hmm. because when you read it, you're like, Jesus Christ, I can write better shit than this. And well, like the Nick Fury movie, what's missing? And I think it's the wrong casting for it. I think you need somebody that puts the fear of God into you like Samuel Jackson does. It's somebody that everybody will answer to visually, right? That- he has that authority stance to... Even though he, everybody else has probably more power than him, he has the authority to tell you, knock it off, mm-hmm. and Iron Man will go, okay, sorry. <laughs> right. Well, and, and if David Hasselhoff said, knock it off, be like, oh, whatever, dude, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like very campy and cheesy, too, the script. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it was never like that in a comic book, man. It was never like that. David Hasselhoff's just, you know, rattling off one-liners. Yeah. and Casting is very important. Oh, well, and, you know, Lisa Renee is in it, too. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She's from Days of Our Life. Uh, so you have two soap opera stars, and they're going to make this brooding, gritty, right? And I pull in the rear, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they just wanted to put her in tight leather and say, all right, we're good. No, no. Right. So casting is a very important thing. We always talk about that. Yeah. Um, like Oppenheimer, wonderful cast. Mm, 100%. Knocked it out of the park. I yeah. love that movie. I'd be like, very surprised it doesn't win Best Picture. It just It's just going to knock it out. I like the... I think the editing for it because they have like a, they have a moment of of him and her is would be, be his wife talking about what inspires him. And they have little snippets of like chemistry, like things exploding, and it's almost a metaphor of their relationship exploding. So it's crafted, edited really well. But there's so many walls of dynamics happening. It's just not his story. But you understand Oppenheimer is a little too political for the scientists, a little too scientist for the politics, and he's kind of an outsider. In. Well, and like when the bomb is exploding and then everything is edited where it's like the ringing in his ears is yeah. the bomb, right? And then it kind of keeps cutting back and forth. Yeah. Like that's just so well done. And yeah. it, Oppenheimer is one of those films where I did not like Emily Blunt's character until the very end. Mm-hmm. I thought that... Ending's always important. I thought that Emily Blunt's character, she was pushed to the side and then when she had that monologue, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm like, all right, now I can see why people keep talking about this performance. I thought that Florence Pugh was stealing the scene from her. Right. And then when she did that uh, monologue at the end, I'm like, all right, 
I, I, I understand why she's getting nominations or accolades for this. And that's, it's one of the things that's going to be probably parody because it's really well. If you know, understand things are good when you're going to come parody of it. Mm. Um, but right. It's, it's very balanced of a kind of movie. We like kind of a balance. I mean, yeah, yeah. Always endings. I always tell people it's the psychology of the audience rather than the characters. They're mm -hmm. expecting something expecting drama out of it. it it's kind of funny on the way to this interview actually uh i told nora think not like yourself but think like other people uh because uh you know yeah. we worked together for this show yesterday and there are certain things where it's like okay you went out of character for this and it's because like okay i'm just expecting what someone's gonna do here how they're thinking right writers really good writing makes you hate somebody mm -hmm. and really good writing makes you love somebody yeah that's mm -hmm. really fantastic i really sympathize for what emma stone's character mm. for her awkwardness and mm -hmm. poor things right but i understand the villainy of every male in the movie mm -hmm. <laughs> who have an agenda for her and mm -hmm. that's the whole goal of poor things of her breaking out of the agenda every man has for her mm -hmm. and trying to establish her own life yeah she's like finding herself through that movie right right like and discovering just, the world right in fact even it comes back to even owning her own body by mm. selling it right mm -hmm. and that's kind of like well that seems counterproductive but for her mm. it's claiming ownership that i can sell my own self yeah. rather than i'm prostituting for you yeah. i'm doing it for me um yeah and then yeah. the the, the bizarre true. dynamics that it's, it's her child's brain and her mom's body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. it's you know we, we do poor things in Barbie. That's the two movies that we've been talking a lot recently, mm -hmm. and very similar threads. If you want to connect them, that's oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of where I'm going. It's because Nora liked Margaret Robbie and Emma Stone in both films, and yet I'm like I think this is Mark Ruffalo. And Ryan Gosling's best performances. <laughs> but like yeah. Barbie and Poor Things, they're mechanical women who are breaking out of what mm -hmm. they were designed to do yes. and establish their own identities, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the power of those films. And a lot of people, I guess, didn't really understand yeah. Barbie. <laughs> well, it's, oh. it's, yeah. I will circle this for everybody who wants to be a writer. Your character has to be searching for the authentic self. Mm -hmm whether it's a bad thing or a good thing, rather than who they, establishing who they are. We on, I love that Hannibal Lecter is searching for his authentic self. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate yes. it, but he knows who he is, and he'll mm -hmm. find every way to be himself, mm -hmm. and whether it doesn't fit society or not, right? Yeah. And just like a villain understanding, searching for their authentic selves. Mm -hmm. um, right. I also... Yeah. Every story, if you want to, it'd be called trapped. Every story will, if if your story is t called trapped, then you're being lazy because that's every story about being trapped. Whether somebody mm -hmm. took the power away from you and you're trying to challenge it, or you're confined to an area, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we just got mm -hmm. done watching a movie called Free Fire, where everyone's trapped in an abandoned warehouse with guns. Yeah, and <laughs> they could have just call it trapped, and I'd be like, I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Every movie's about it. Wizard of Oz is about being trapped. Yeah. And you have to find a way back, right? Uh, yeah. Spider-Verse, I mean, Miles is trapped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. When you think of it that way, you're like, I need to go rewatch all these movies in so, that lens. 
every well every horror film or horror movie confines into a, a space and then how do you break out of that space it's either a camp mm. a street right. <laughs> jason in space okay are you well even when you go out of space you're confined yeah. into the areas of the spaceship or the planet or how you get off aliens kind Alien. of that yeah. yeah but that does not just for horror movies confined to space it's every story yeah. we're searching to break right. out of your entrapments your imprisonments and yeah. searching for your authentic selves yeah. uh Talking about Alien, Nora just watched it for the first time. I did. Do you want to talk about it? Right. Um, I the still Alien watch or Aliens? Alien Singular. Alien Singular. Right. I still got to watch Aliens and the others as well. But... I love that the set is wonderful in the movie. It is so wonderful that all they did was take the camera and just show the set. This is what this room looks like. This is what this room. <laughs> There's no sound to it, no. but they're like really impressed you with this is the area. Not to mention the visually setting up that this doesn't look mm-hmm. nice place to be. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. And that yeah. what Alien came out in 1979? 79? 79. You won't find that on anybody's top 10 list. Yeah, in 79, right? No, yeah. yeah. It won't be on anybody's film critics' top 10 movies of the year list. And mm-hmm. yet, when you rewatch it, you know, this is 2024, you're rewatching it. Yeah. And it's like this movie still holds up visually. Because the right. xenomorph, when, she, when the xenomorph is trapped behind all the, once again, trapped, when the xenomorph is trapped behind all the stuff watching Ripley at towards the end of the movie. Mm, in the escape pod. It, it, it's haunting because you can actually see the xenomorph move behind her at one point in time. Yeah. The important mm-hmm. critical element of the movie is everybody breaks the protocols. Mm. If they just follow the rules, you wouldn't be in danger. Right. If you just listen to Ripley saying, we can't let you in. Mm-hmm. And then they don't yeah. listen to her. Yep. <laughs> no one listened to her. And then right. in the end, she was like, hey, right. this is, yeah. But you have to write it that way because if everybody follows the rules, you don't have a story. You have to establish like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so mm-hmm. the psychology audience who just screams, what the hell are you doing? oh, you're going to get it. See, I told you. Yep. <laughs> everybody knows Harry Dean Stanton's going to get it, right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, and... Um, Spaceballs, when John Cleese, not John Cleese, John Hurt. Reenacted it? it? Reenacted it. Yeah. And even before, you never seen Alien, and I was always singing the song that Alien came out to. You know, Hello, My Darling, Hello, My Lady. Yeah. And Nora's like, what are you doing? I'm like, you've got to watch Alien to get this reference. <laughs> oh, and then Spaceballs has Planet of the Apes reference and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Good movies always get parody. But, yeah, right, mm-hmm. Confinement. I don't know if anybody can fix a light bulb in the space station, right? But it's not an adventure like Alien's not an adventure like Star Wars where it's, you know, the scope and scale. This is like, I had enough outer space. I want to go home. Yeah. I want to get a shower. I'm tired of eating this crap, <laughs> right? There's very, this kind of nihilistic point of view to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we would talk about Oppenheimer and Killian Murphy. Uh, he had a movie with Dana Boyle called uh, Sunshine. And it was one of my favorite sci-fi films. I remember that the the ending kind of mixed. Yeah, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending, but the whole build up for everything. Yeah, the, it's this. It's very much like uh, I won't say the uh, Arthur C. Clarke came up with three thousand and one. Mm-hmm. It's very much like that, where they have a pool of water which can they can sanitize, but also vegetation states so that they can sustain mm-hmm. livability on a spaceship. But mm-hmm. the whole agenda that we're going to send, we're going to recharge the sun. 
Yeah, recharge yeah. is recharge the sun, and then suddenly the movie just takes a left turn towards the. End. Right. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, "What the hell's going on here? I'm still invested, but I don't know what I'm watching now." Wasn't yeah. there a movie we just watched where they were talking about nihilists? Well, you can be weird. You can be boring, but you can't be boring. Yeah. You can be weird. You can be outrageous. You can be dumb. All that, but you cannot be boring movie. And I, I, I think that may be the issue with Madam Web right now. <laughs> Everyone I'm talking to, they're like, there's oh. no connections. <laughs> what was your, did you see it? We have not seen Madam right. Web yet. I am uh, just want to get the popcorn iron and see how many cliches I can find. So, you know. Yeah. Is it cliches? It it's has cli- to be. Well, it's cliches, but it's also zero connections to the Spider-Man lore. All right. And basically, from what I've been reading, you talk about script. And everyone's saying that this is the laziest script they've they watch good good so it's gotta watch bad films to know what not to do mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you know being involved in the comic community you kind of look at how the community reacts to films like this because they reacted kind of differently to joker and yet that's one of Norris favorite movies all right yeah joker and the batman both i love the both batman. of them the yes the batman the batman <laughs> Outside of uh, comic book movies, um, you guys are critiquing comics, right? Oh yeah, we uh, we can treat, uh, we do a lot of we try to keep up, I should say, with weekly comics. Uh, sometimes you're just getting way too many to read per week. Right, you get it's get saturated. You get saturated. Uh, then you move on to like, okay, I don't give a damn about superheroes. I'm going to independent comics. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And recently, the the I mean, if you're eating steak every night. <laughs> And I like steak, but you know, switch, switch it up. Time. You know, sometimes all the time, right? Know, yeah. Go from flaming yawn to a sirline, but once in a while, give me a chicken. Right? You can only do it's, it so much. Yeah. But then uh, the independent horror titles now are some of the best books out there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Something's killing children's mm-hmm. been around. For I know that. I was. I'm a little bit dating myself, but Hellraiser comic book was doing fantastic. And that I I'm did that was a while back. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's kind of what's new? What's kind of on your radar for? Uh, if so, a lot of these. So actually, Dracula just got readapted in a comic book format. Fantastic. Um, James Tynion, who who's probably one of the best horror writers right now in comics, and Martin Simmons is the artist. Okay. Uh, the artwork reminds me a lot of Dave McKean from Sandman and Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Very, but very etchy. Very etchy. It, very if, raw. Yeah. yeah. And almost you don't need James Tiny's script for it, the dialogue. You can just tell the story by his artwork. Yeah. But he also changes up the script a little bit where you can see more of uh, Renfro's character in Dracula. So you're not getting all the Dracula. Very much a condemned character. Very much a condemned. Oh, he's trapped mm-hmm. through this book. Well, not only that, he can't get out. He's condemned. He's yeah. totally bought and sold to whatever Dracula selling to him. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not going to come. No, he's not returning. And you know, going back to last year films, Run From was actually a pretty fun film. Oh, the Nick Cage. Yeah. The Nick Cage God, film. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was, it was camp, but that I knew it was fun. camp, right? Yeah. That was fun. And then we also recently watched Bottoms. Yeah, Bottoms. <laughs> So funny. <laughs> so good. I, 
I work at a school, so I was like, what'd you guys see? And I was like, I can't recommend it because I'm at a school, but I got to chuckle out of bottoms. Right? Well, yeah. you know, the last... It's a it's a story that you would never hear of from 20 years ago, not to mention 30 years ago. Then I like that we get that now. Well, on top of that, so we decided that we were going to catch up on a lot of these independent films we haven't watched. Yeah. So we started off with Bottoms. Bottoms is very much a John Hughes movie John flipped Hughes. on its head. Yeah. It's pretty much insulting John Hughes movies to live. Yeah. And uh, yeah. outside of Nora, I've only talked to one other person about the film, and they hated it. They hated Bottoms? They hated Bottoms. They thought there was, well, when they watched it, they didn't realize it was an independent film. Why? Because the football players wear their uniforms everywhere they go. That, <laughs> no names on them. He was like, this movie's got no budget. And I'm like, you're missing the point of the movie. It is their warp interpretation how they feel like being in high school. It's not the reality point of view of... <laughs> It's their point of view, an exaggerated state of football players have to almost constantly wear their uniforms everywhere I turn, almost like that. And they get the attention all the time. It's yeah. it's their point of view of, oh, my God, we're ugly. We have to correct it. Let's yeah. make a fight club. <laughs> yeah, we have to figure out this go as we have. Yeah, it's just I love it because it feels like a teenager wrote it. It feels like a teenager mm-hmm. has this almost exercise of getting this out. It felt refreshing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, we decided to watch Dick's the Musical. <laughs> we were we were really in. We we're like, no, let's just say screw it. Let's watch some of these weird movies right now. Weird is fun. Yeah, I love weird. Yeah, yeah let's get David Lynch in. Let's go, man. Yeah, it's like David Lynch made a comedy right now. <laughs> oh, we forgot today is Twin Peaks Day. Yeah, but I have never seen Twin Peaks. Oh, good. Okay, oh, good. <laughs> you don't, yeah. like, have you? I, I, uh, I mean, so. I do have a film background. I spent. I was 13 when that came out, and I was bonkers. Yeah. Um, so while I was in film school, I decided to just catch up on a lot of Lynch. So David Lynch and David Fincher and Tarantino were the three directors that I just kind of focused on. Yeah. And so I spent, I mean, I spent most of my time writing about Tarantino, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to dive into Lynch and Fincher and see what I really like. Okay. So I, I gave Transpeak a chance. I wasn't a huge fan of it. But then again, that was also 12 years ago now. It was a bizarre soap opera. Yeah. It was just out. We couldn't understand. It was like, we have dancing horses. What the hell's going on? <laughs> it, it's weird. It, it's just bizarre. And then you have like the the surrealism of him having these dreams where the clues come to him and all the investigation. Where he, I like that Lynch, usually with his movies, presents a very clean, sanitized world. But beneath it, it is ugly. Uh, you don't want to like take a lens and investigate. It's the beginning of I would say even like Blue Velvet, the beginning of Blue Velvet, where he puts the camera on the flowers and the picket fence, and it looks beautiful and the music and the, mm-hmm. the fire trucks are waving hello as you mm-hmm. go by. But then the camera drops down mm-hmm. to where you see the insects, and it's all that crunching noises and it's a war, and that's the entire movie. Everything looks beautiful on top, but if you really want to look below, and you want to like take a peek in the dark alley it's not a nice place to be at blue velvet is probably the most watched lynch movie i have yeah. i don't i don't know why I, every time does that, I'm, does that make sense to it makes total sense now yeah. that i was so when you were talking about it the first thing that came to mind was blue velvet because it is everything's bright everything's happy but everything's so ugly underneath yeah, laura dern's character represents dern, the suburbia yeah. f- brightness and then you have isabella rosalini's character represents kind of the ugliness of it all yep. right and you have a villain who's out of his mind and, see, and to me that's the the villain that came to me that was i love frank bad guys. booth frank booth i love yeah. bad guys and that's why i'm actually surprised that 
you know, Nora loves Joker more than I do, the film. Because I'm like, is he really bad in this movie? Yeah. He's just a man losing his mind. Right, and I have my own reservations for Joker. I understand what they're going through. I understand what they're presenting, but uh, I like a little more psychotic. It, yeah. We seriously have a debate every, like maybe it once a year. feel like psychotic. You feel yeah. like this is what I have to do to get attention. Yeah. Right. We, we seriously have a debate, but once a year, who our favorite Joker is. <laughs> because it's like it feels like it switches off every now and then because like Barry Kerrigan is playing a Joker in the Batman. Well, it's, it's a character that it's fiction, right? Do whatever interpretation you want. Mm. If it's a mad, hungry, love, sad gangster puppy that's in Suicide Squad, <laughs> well, it's no a psychotic post-war. <laughs> it's a psychotic, um, like in Dark Knight, where he has post-traumatic stress for probably being in a war, mm. where mm. he's got brain damage, um, or mm. it's just a gangster like in the Batman, where it, you know. I always bring up when everyone's talking about Joker. I'm like, you can't forget Mark Hamill. Oh, it's just fun to fun, right? Yeah, because Mark Hamill is, I mean, he, I'm a huge video game guy, so I grew up playing the Batman Arkham games. Yeah. And Mark Hamill delivers one of the best performances of Joker in that, on top of the anime series. And during the pandemic, Nora watched the anime series for the first time. And she just, you fell in love with the character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I didn't grow up on film or movies or comics until I met Kyle, like, eight years ago eight now. Years ago. So, yeah, I'm, I'm. Ketchup is insane <laughs> for me. Got to have a good villain. Yeah. Best stories always have the best villains. And, mm-hmm. You know, to talk about that, Marvel right now is having villain problems, I feel. They always have. I mean, I've mean, i always I, had this conversation before. Marvel has the best superheroes, soft villains. Mm-hmm. DC has the best villains, but kind of the superheroes are kind of mm-hmm. homogenous. Right? Well, and I think Sanitary. That, and I think James Gunn's going to really help out with DC going yeah. forward. Um, but... You know, you outside of Thanos and Loki, what's other villain can you think of? Killmonger? But Killmonger kind of got like that anti-hero going on too. So, Well, we'll figure it out. If I want to, I would like to have my own Doctor Doom movie just mm-hmm. for my own amusement. Hey, Killian Murphy as Doctor Doom, hopefully. Something like that. Because so <laughs> so. it, it is a wretched, wretched story. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes catatonic dictatorship on his own island. Um, all right, we got to take a little break, and then we'll be back with Kyle and Nora. Hey, welcome to the last Comic Shop Podcast. A comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Yep, each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic. Sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or TV shows. Or not. Lots of times it's just comic books and sound effects. Oh, yes, definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms to The Last Comic Shop Podcast, or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Welcome back, and now more with the show. If you did your own story, what would it entail? Come on, come on! You gotta have your own story. Oh, like oh man, no, no, Kyle, you gotta go first. Would you do like a sci-fi? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I love Star Wars so much. Um, but like I also love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So like maybe like a morph of those movies. If you can do comedy, I'll buy it right now. <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. you know you can't do comedy. Yeah. Like, oh come on, you can do comedy. Come on. Like I saw a video of, you know, how he keeps running if, in yeah. Monty Python, you know, it's like they're looking and he keeps running forward, but the guy's a Jedi and he has a uh, lightsaber. Yeah, when he moves, like, when he charges the castle. Yeah, when he charges the, the castle. Stand, and then you yeah. play with the the gimmick of him keep running and running, and then all of a sudden he's there. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. And then bah, and just slash him with the lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if so, you, Nora, if you could write comedy, yeah, I'll hire you. I think Kyle would be the one to write a comedy. No, all right. Both trust, of you. trust me, I can tell you this right now, Nora. Can't write comedy. Um, oh my god! Challenge accepted, Nora. <laughs> yeah, do it. Challenge right. accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so I actually took. We can do, a, we can do one about turtle soup. Oh yeah. And use a shell. Yeah. <laughs> Just take that from Nick. So. Okay. Right. Um, I actually took a comic creation class when I was in college. All right. And I took the idea of Spawn, and a cop that uses Roman mythology. So, like, he goes back to hell, but he's talking to all these gods to kind of get, like, um, so I was in this class when Stan Lee died, so I ended up drawing the character as Stan Lee, one of the gods. Okay. And so he would go down there for guidance and try, like, okay, how can I solve this mystery, but yet no one can see me because I'm a ghost. (laughs) So I was not smoking any pot. I was not drinking. I was a caution and I had uh-huh. no sleep. <laughs> uh, I'll just say this though: the the uh, teacher told me not to quit my day job. Okay, it, so challenge accepted there, right? I think if you really are, if you really understand that you can be good at it, you won't take anybody's advice, right? I I know I can draw. If somebody says you draw like crap, I'll be like, yeah, whatever, because I know I can do it. If you know you can write, then you're like, somebody's like, well, that's garbage. Well, I can know I can do better. And then you right. prove them wrong, then right? Then you prove them wrong. The, yeah. the one thing I uh, always tell people, too, is that no idea is original. You you kind of take it. You, you hear it, and you kind of take it and make it your own. Everybody's trapped. I've yeah. already explained, yeah. yeah. You, you, the ingredients are there, right? Mm-hmm. And you're searching for your authentic self. And yeah. uh, I actually made a, when I was younger, when I was going to film school, I made a movie about boxing. And... I'm an Italian, so you know Rocky Baboa is a major influence in that movie. Right, uh, has it, nothing to do with boxing. Had nothing to do with boxing at all. That story has oh. been right. You can take that story and it has nothing to do with boxing. It's he has to go through the crucible to actually say to the woman, "I love you." He has to go through all this mm-hmm. trouble just to, to have the courage to beat the living piss out of him <laughs> to, to go up to his wife, to his girlfriend, and say. I love you. So did Nick finally tell you to watch Rocky finally? Maybe. I know. I haven't seen any of them. Right. (laughs) That's the whole movie. He has to go through the entire crucible. And, uh, spoiler, he doesn't win. Right? That's a horrible movie if he wins. Mm -hmm. You have to understand, he has to go through his entire... It's a love story. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's another thing. Every movie is a love story. Every story is a love story. Whether he flips on a head. Right? Um... Nightmare on Elm Street's a love story. Mm-hmm. Now that you're gonna look, you're gonna look at Nightmare on Elm Street differently. Now you're like, you killed my boyfriend. Now I'm gonna come after you. Yeah. Mm. Hey, yeah. Alien, <laughs> Ripley. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. No, but Ripley and her cat. And the cat, yeah. yeah. Can't hurt the animals, right? I mean, Princess Bride. Look at that. You know, it's a right? Love, yeah. Love story. As Attract. you wish. Yeah, she's right. trapped, right? 
quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's gonna marry somebody she does not love. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but uh, they're kissing again. To <laughs> to go back to the the boxing movie, uh, it was actually a take on racism. Why? How? Uh, so my best friend at the time. Do you want to spoil it, or are you just gonna? Uh, so I don't have this movie anymore. Oh, you didn't uh, write it? I wrote it. Uh, right. Mind you, though, this was when I was eighteen, so fourteen years ago. Why don't you go back and like revisit it, or revise it, or? Well, yeah. my my teacher ended up using it for their class. All right. So well, maybe they still you don't own it, right? Yeah. If you wrote it, you own it. So why don't you do your own? Flip but uh, what what happened is I ended up writing a poem, and I converted that poem into a film. Okay. And my buddy, who was, he was Mexican at that time, and he was going through a lot of crap. But you got a shot list made. Did you get a shot list out of it? Mind you, uh, I, this is in film school. I, okay. I was just on the, just on the fly. Up. Yeah, this is trying to get trying to get an A in class, basically. Sure. And it was probably the most creative I went. I did a gothic Romeo and Juliet at that time too. <laughs> I was going. I had a lot of feelings. Um, I tried making a skateboarding movie. Realized I couldn't skateboard. So the the boxing film was probably the best effort I had that time. And I asked my buddy, I'm like, hey, what name do you want to use in this? I'm going to use you as uh, the Mexican boxer. Okay. He goes, call me Mexi. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm. Um, no, that's unique. I'm you using this. Something unique stands out, right? I'm using this as an ad girl for racism, and you're diving right into it now. <laughs> so. So you're inspiring me to write. So uh, I did, when I was a teenager, I drew a character in high school. It's in my sketchbook of a guy. He just has a five o'clock shadow. Um, he had the wiper blade haircut from the 90s. Um, kind of a mixture of like Han Solo, kind mm-hmm. of a guy, kind of a almost like um, Captain Reynolds from Star Firefly before that, because it was the 90s. I didn't have a setting to put him in, but I just had this character that I felt kind of, Stubbins his nose as authority. And then I gave him a name, Race. Race Dyer. And I, I was like, I have nothing to put him in, but I know this will work. Like something with him. And then I wrote, um, over the summer, wrote a, a sci-fi comic book script um, that just got, I uh, thank Austin for editing it, where it's about two mining companies on a planet and they're, they're competing for world dominance. And I was sitting like, what could I use for a character? Then after about 40 years, here comes this character. I was like, oh, my God, this kid I drew, this guy I drew when I was a kid, a teenager, fits perfect into the story. Hmm. So, yeah, um, the next project, so I'm, gonna, I'm working on Mallory right now, doing the comic book over the end of the animation, and the next one I'm working on uh, the sci-fi out front. Okay, okay. So we'll see well, how that goes. It's kind of like Mc, uh, Todd McFarlane and Spawn. He always had the character of Spawn in his head. He drew it out and was just waiting for the opportunity to respond. What environment to put him in. Yeah, and then yeah. when Image Comics happened, he's like, this is the character we're going to use to jumpstart Image Comics. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And like I said, inspiration can come from bad movies. I sat and watched Screamers in 1997 <laughs> when that came out. It's a bad sci-fi, but I love Philip K. Dick's mm-hmm. stories, and it's a Philip K. Dick short story. And that inspired me because I thought it was going to go one way, and it didn't. And I was like, I want to go. I want that story to go this way, and that inspired me to do out front of these. And then that in Screamers, it's two. It's a civil war on a planet of two people, and one it's a army post. We haven't seen a lot of action, 
in a while they're realizing are we abandoned or is the war over nobody's talking to us <laughs> so it's one of those like are we alone what's going on so it's almost like the trapped in an environment of no communications mm-hmm. so mm. that give me inspiration to do out front so well, hopefully we get that completed and you know you you just asked us if we if we have any stories in our mind yeah and the thing is like i will all, I, we never talk negative because being a writer is difficult it's one of the hardest right. jobs i, I would love is. to see what you guys could do together uh, together and honestly like yeah. we've never entertained the thought of writing something together Oh. Didn't we just have an idea the other day while driving? Uh, what was it? Uh, it's not safe for work, if I remember right. No, <laughs> no, it was like right. time was moving backwards or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. But, oh. That was my, when I was in a band with my buddy Nick Lehman. When this is like from 2003 to 2007, before the the band came in, and we would come in early and we would like tune our instruments and all that stuff. And we talked in the studio before rehearsal about doing because he liked James Bond, mm-hmm. and I like sci-fi. And I was like, well, what if we do a story like mixing both, like espionage with mm-hmm. time travel? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, like finally, well, we kind of fall out with communication. We don't talk to each other much anymore, and we still remain friends. But when Tenet came out, I go, hey, our movie came. Yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> well, and see, I think that's kind of what mm-hmm. that was what kind of influenced this ideal in the car that and people driving slow and back mm-hmm. trying to back up into Nora. She was like, What the hell is going on? And I'm like, You ever thought about the people, everyone's moving backwards, but you moving forward? Was a whole that's a whole episode of Doctor Who, Doctor Who where they're mm-hmm. in a traffic jam. This this whole planet, they're in a like a long traffic jam, but nobody's taking the opportunity to maybe exit out of the traffic jam to see what the hell's going on because they're just moving forward and they've been doing it for eons that nobody's actually thought maybe we'd just exit and see then it's the whole point of like once you start being a cog in the machine and go on your own path it's like the um monty python not the movie the holy grail but there was another monty python skit where all the philosophers are on a soccer field and they're all just like pondering what to do what to do right they're just like walking around and someone goes "Ooh, idea and then they just kick the ball <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. and that's how it starts you just think about a little kernel i have a the movie uh i'm, I'm working on my novel sorry of called the factory and it just started from a writer's workshop of just getting started writing a book i don't really write books i write scripts um, and then critique movies and this is my first time writing a novel because mm-hmm. I was thinking of what would happen after my graphic novel The Greenway mm-hmm. and um, write a workshop said write what you know just start with writing and I worked in a factory for 10 years so I just wrote about the dynamics of being a monotonous job at mm-hmm. a factory of your routines and mm-hmm. the dynamics of working and um how it looks like you're being in hell all the time mm-hmm. and getting, you know, it's the noise and the bombardment that mm-hmm. fills your senses. And you um, I work in a circuit board factory where you smell the acid baths and then it's everything. You just mm-hmm. want to take a shower after you're done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I work, how would I get, make that dramatic, but also understand, kind of give a little snippet of what it like to work in a factory as well. So of course mm-hmm. the title of the book is called factory, the factory. The factory. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, you mentioned that you do storyboards and scripts, basically. Yeah. And that's how I sold someone on Mercenary Kingdom. Because on our YouTube channel, I did a video about oh, thanks, Mercenary man. Kingdom. Yeah. And my buddy goes, okay, what what is this book? I'm like, take an action film, put it in the storyboard. And he, he picked it up. He's like, okay, I, I, I get what you're going with with this now. Right. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. so I, I, Wesley, yeah, he wrote it as Trent wanted to be a movie. 
but we just couldn't find out. Spoiler in the story, there's a building that gets blown up, but we just didn't have the budget to blow up a building. <laughs> yep. well, and I, I told him, let's yeah. put in a comic book. You can blow up the world if you want, right? Yeah, basically, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's basically diehard in a comic book. That's basically what I told him. Superhero diehard. Yeah. 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 So, oh, nice. Yes. You, you still got to read it. I do. I think if Wesley, if you're listening, uh, I know he's working on some kind of avenue where we go after we did uh, Mercenary Kingdom for the comic book, where we wanted to do with it. But that's his character. Um, he doesn't have a supernatural name. His name is Blake. Yeah. I don't know if you get in the comic book. Uh, him and I were talking about it, that, but the, the protagonist, Blake, is on the spectrum. Hmm. He's supposed to be on the we're, we're kind of right and intentionally he's supposed to be on the spectrum. Somebody yeah. who's kind of obsessive, compulsive. Yeah. Kind of awkward with dialogue and talking, and he has you to can, mask himself to be comfortable. And but he has these super abilities to handle everything. But yeah. he just can't. He's not work in a group. He can work by himself. Now, yeah. Now that you mention it, uh, I didn't catch on to that until you just say it. You just said it, and now I'm thinking yeah. about the book because you have two issues, are right? Yeah, yeah. And now that you mention it, I can see it. Yeah. So. We want, we want to present it not just like all front. That's not his personality, but that is something that is part of him, right? So we had long conversations about how we present somebody that has autism, mm -hmm. um, high-functioning autism like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think Ben Affleck did a movie where his character was on the spectrum, The too. Accountant. Yeah, The Accountant. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we, we I was talking, maybe we want to reference this movie that... He's totally on the spectrum, but they just don't like. It's not a, like a superpower or whatever. It's not like a personality mm -hmm. that, yeah. Well, yeah, because you know, you mentioning you writing a, a book on the factory because something that you know. And the whole time, I'm an accountant. That's what I do for a living. And I'm like, well, Ben Affleck did that already, so I'm not gonna write a book on the accountant. <laughs> but you gotta write something like somebody with a, a logistics, right? Somebody mm -hmm. who. Is something looks off and that starts the little kernel of mm -hmm. something like that or mm -hmm. um, what was the Will Ferrell movie where he's works for the IRS um, uh, fiction Stranger Than Fiction Str which is a underrated film in my opinion yeah it's I very underrated movie. and it's him he's a, an accountant for the IRS and he just works his way and all of a sudden a relationship throws in his wheel disrupts his entire mm -hmm. life right a love a love story interrupts his whole logistics of I got everything sorted out and everything. And, and that's the movie that uh, he's got the narration happening throughout the whole movie too. Yeah. And he's like, "What the hell is going on right now?" It's like a story written inside of a story, right? So yeah. is the love story part trapping him? I haven't seen it, but oh yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, so. I don't know. Well, he's trying to figure out: Am I confined? Am I happy? Mm -hmm. And he hasn't ex he hasn't understand these emotions yet, mm -hmm. right? And he's having to took in the time because he's sitting mm -hmm. just working numbers, and he's happy that everything fits out. Oh, this fits out. Look at the file. Everything mm -hmm. has a home and everything. And then, right, the inter the interruption is the love story. Mm -hmm. uh, we just re critiqued um, the Dead Presidents from 1995, and that's uh, the war interrupts a love story. And so that's the component of we have a very much a love story, boy meets girl, but then he has to go fight war. He comes back. He's not the same. Mm -hmm. She's had an affair and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it would have been a nice soft love story if the war wasn't part of it. They would have had a happy ever after. And that kind of plays into the dynamic. It's never going to return to this pristine state of meaning for the fresh time. right? Mm -hmm. So, you have to, yeah, you have to think about what do you want to do with your character. I don't know. I don't know. I don't do outlines. Mm -hmm. I know I should. I like the process of where it's going to go. I like to kind of write myself in a corner like, oh, shit, how do we get out of this? 
<laughs> and so as as a follow podcaster now, because you know yeah. we do the uh, Minnesota Comic Change Live weekly, mm-hmm. um, I have to have an outline. Uh, in fact, well, I have I have no I have a thread of where we have to go. Yeah. I just don't like chapter one. What are we gonna do in chapter one? The hell with that. Right? What you know? And I. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't like to rehearse my lines of dialogue for my oh. scripts. I like to just pop to my head and not really edit it because I feel like that's far more refreshing for me. So it's, mm. I'm, you know, I'm kind of the same way what I do as I send the outline to my co-hosts. Okay. And I, what I have is like, no, it's like, okay, we want to talk about this, but say whatever you want here, but just be on topic almost. Yeah. And uh, never write safe. Oh, well, and we Don't got that. Safe. We got that criticism. Yeah. We actually so about a month ago, we were told that we were boring because we were too safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. you got to. I, I know I hate the phrase "got to kill your darlings," but you have to write a character who does things that you do not appreciate, mm-hmm. do not are not happy that they're doing. Right. Um, my great. I highly recommend the movie "Promising Your Young." Woman. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that for a while. It's been on my queue. Original screenplay. I love that story because it is something that you understand. You feel sorry for her, Mm -hmm. but for the whole story, you want to tell this protagonist just stop and live your life, Mm -hmm. and she will not do it. Isn't that Greta Gerwig as well? Um, Or did she? I think no, it's not. No. No. Oh, Um, I can't remember who. It's the same director that did Saltburn. Oh yeah, that was right. Yeah, because we watched Saltburn, and then I'm like, oh look, they. Yeah, that's another character does what I don't want them to do. Yeah. And that's what I mean by right and safe. If you want to write a character that's racist, understand why he's being a racist. You don't have to sympathize for him, but you understand what the motivation behind that. And you have to challenge yourself. If you're just not challenging yourself as being a writer, where you want to do with this character, then it's not an exercise. Why, why would you be interested in reading it, right? And, you know, or anybody else be interested. Mm. It's like taking like poor things. What's mm. do Frankenstein, but it's a woman, mm. right? But it's also challenging her patriarchy that created her um writing safe too i think that's been kind of the issue that marvel's had recently oh hell yeah a lot of the scripts i've seen very safe yeah and like, for kids you, and everything yeah and then you go back and you watch the first iron man they were not safe with that script no he's an ass mm-hmm. and it's like you got to write your character i mean obviously he gains empathy that's another thing you want to talk about with your mm-hmm. character Right, he's a total jerk. You want to punch him in the face. You, you, mm-hmm. you well, know, because Nora does not like the Iron Man films. And I've asked her many times. She goes, I just don't like Tony Stark. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Right. Uh, and right. to me, I think Iron Man 1 is one of the best Marvel films still. Yeah. To, and just because, like, one, Downey is Stark. Two, that script is not your typical superhero film. And that's why I think the Dark Knight movies work well, too. All right, it's funny. Mention that came up too much. Too much. All right. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. We have to do this again sometime. Yeah, thank I got, you. I got the pressure. You got to have to start w- do more reviews on your um, website. Yeah, Film that reviews. is our goal. That yeah. is our goal. Yeah. And also, maybe do some more interviews. You know. <laughs> oh, yes. so we uh, we do have, we so actually, because yesterday was the show, the comic show yeah. yesterday, we have interviews planned for the future already. All right. Thanks so for my audience. Will love to hear about it. All right. Yeah, I mean, we're working to get back on track with this this stuff that we're doing. So it's the push that we need. Oh yes, back <laughs> to the structure. All right. Well, thanks again, uh, Kyle and Nora, and they both know it's not over till the guests say it's over. Oh, it's over. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs>